Welcome to the T-Hud Podcast. I'm Moby. And I'm Leland. No, Marty. Nope. Nope. Our first episode without that uh, that piece of shit. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. human fucking garbage. That's right. We just ejected him. We were doing a mic test like as fighter jets just a second ago, and I should just pull the ejection lever in there. Elwin Marty. So, yeah. I'm sure he's at home playing video games with his wife, which is... I'm sure a lot more fun. Yeah, well, podcast. I mean, we discovered today that he basically quit the podcast to play Final Fantasy 14 or 16. What, what number? It yes, is? I don't fucking know. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> they just it's XXYXZ50 something like that. But you know what? He quit our friendship for Final Fantasy 11. So quitting just a podcast is an improvement that's true that's true yeah yeah as far as uh, collateral damage goes yeah exactly podcast is the only thing that's gone then that's not so bad i I think we'll still see him once a month instead of once every eight months so (laughs) that'll be good no no i'm excited for this uh i i think this is going to be an emotionally charged episode um we are discussing some topics that you and i feel passionately about yep we're going to have the first condescending controversy segment, which should be interesting. Um, but for banter, do you have anything firm or do you want me to make uh, it? I'm just going to talk about Spider-Man. Yeah, go go ahead because you've okay. been obsessed with that. Thing. Okay, uh, yeah. So uh, this is going to drop like a week after the new Marvel Spider-Man video games come out. And man, it's so good. It's like everything like I hoped and dreamed it was going to be like... So, the best Spider-Man game ever is Spider-Man 2, back from the PlayStation 2, way back in the day. And I may be a little biased, because Spider-Man 2, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man 2, is also, is also my favorite Spider-Man movie. So, anytime they put a 2 by Spider-Man. <laughs> no, anytime they put in Doc Ock. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think uh, it's, it's gold, I'm going to like it. But, like... Man, there's so many, like, clearly they've taken beats from the Arkham uh, franchise and just, it's so awesome just swinging around the city. It's oh, so fucking cool. It looks cool. It looks cool. It's, I've been it's watching It's really you. cool. It's so fun. And uh, the voice acting's great. The writing's awesome. Like, you, you like, get the feel of, like, being Peter Parker. Oh, man, it's so cool. And it's funny, though, like, uh, the combat's interesting uh i keep trying to like brute force it like as if i'm playing batman in the arkham games and that doesn't quite work that great for spider-man so i'm dying a lot i'm <laughs> getting my ass handed to me i am playing on hard though so i don't okay know. but like the game basically the whole the game and all the combat mechanics and even some of the swing mechanics are all it's all about timing um there are things like um you know he's got spidey sense so when someone's about to attack you you get a spidey sense little flare above your head right and you can do things like perfect dodges, which will give you a bonus if you unlock the specific power. So just it's all like timing and like I'm not that great at that, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I don't know. The game's oh man, I love it. It's so good. It's so addicting. So it's a solid six and a half out of ten. Oh yeah. Easy. Easy. <laughs> easy. Easy six and a half out of ten. Whoa, listener. Look at him. Gosh. No, that's awesome. You know what? Um after a repeated amount of terrible games that marty lent you to ruin your life i'm glad you finally found a good one <laughs> yeah i had to buy this one myself i know <laughs> yeah, what i had to buy my own video game god damn it 
<laughs> Hashtag 2018. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, but um, oh, man, I don't know what else to say, but it's just so good. It's so good. I'm, I might write an article about it when I'm done it, I think. Yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd like to read about it. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. I feel like we're kind of in a golden age of open world games where, like, a lot of them are really good. Yeah. And you look at Horizon Dawn. I'm not going to mention the Z word around you because you'll reach well, across I, the I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Zelda. No. <laughs> Breath of the Wild. We'll just call it Breath of the Wild. We won't even use the Z word. You know what? That's probably better. At least Breath yeah, of the Wild sounds like... Nah, Breath of the Wild still sounds stupid. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, open world games are, are going well, and it's good to hear that uh, that Spider-Man adds to it. So Yeah, I'm super happy with it so far. Sweet. And actually, I'm already like 60% done in the game. So, All right. I How many like, hours would you say you put in? That's a good question. I'm going to say I put in at least 20 okay. so far, I think. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of like side missions and stuff, right? So like, um, there's a whack load of Spidey suits you can unlock. Yeah. Each, each suit comes with a specific suit power. Nice. But the coolest thing that they did is once you've un- once you purchase a suit and you've unlocked it, you can wear any suit and use any power. Right. So you're not locked in. If you like a specific power over the you know the myriad of others, but you don't like the suit it comes with, it doesn't matter. You can use any suit and any power. Right. Which is awesome. Super smart. Like it's like this. It's like the small stuff that like this game just nails. I think. <laughs> I don't oh, know. I cool. don't know why. I know that left a big impression on me, but <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, that's the coolest thing ever!" All right. Yeah. Well, whatever floats your boat there. I you guess. Know. <laughs> you know, whatever makes you not blow up the I'm building. Currently wearing the Spider-Man 2099 suit. Oh, excellent! Yeah, it's very futuristic from Future Spider-Man. That's cool. So, is it like sent back in time or something like that? No, nah, it's like they don't really explain the different suits. Right? It's just like. Uh, if you progress, I think at different progression points, you can you just unlock you unlock hmm. to be able to purchase it. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, well, speaking of a few minutes ago talking about worthless men, my banter is about Jeremy Renner. I that name sounds vaguely familiar. I don't yeah, really remember. Hmm. He apparently once played a superhero named Hawkeye. Oh, yeah. You know, I think I remember. Yes, it was back in the day. I think uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier was still acting. Um, <laughs> black and white was just being phased out. And uh, Jeremy Renner, you know, back in those days, he would actually lead a film and people knew who he was. And so now he he has been interviewed by the uh, Ridgevale Rural Chronicles. Or some shit like that. Seriously? No, I'm just making. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't even know who would interview Jeremy Renner right about now. But he says Hawkeye is ready for the call for the next Avengers movie, if need be. Yeah, he's ready. And I think if you know, I think Thanos should have just cheated and like done fifty percent plus one to take out Hawkeye. <laughs> I just, you know, I've never. I've his character has always felt a bit shoehorned in for me, especially especially in Avengers 2 where they come up with that like romantic plot with him. I don't know, it always came off as forced to me. Mm. Um I don't what do you think of Hawkeye? Do you have any opinion of Hawkeye? I think um well, I mean obviously in the first Avengers, he didn't really get his due justice. So I think that's why they try to make up for it in Age of Ultron, right? Yes. Clearly and clearly they overshot. <laughs> yes. Um I think the problem I don't have a problem with Hawkeye and Jeremy Renner's performance as Hawkeye but the problem is 
you can only ever inevitably compare him to Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow. Right. Because they're the two non-superpowered people in, in all of the Avengers, right? In right. every single hero that we've seen in any of these movies, they're the only two that don't have powers. So, of course, you're going to compare them. And, like, Black Widow was an awesome character. Black Widow is amazing. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson is the perfect actress for Black Widow. And you're right. Jeremy Renner is a, a competent actor. Right. I think yeah, of course. He's... I don't want to get into is he overrated or not, but the fact is Scarlett Johansson nails the character. She's getting a spinoff. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's always going to yeah. dwarf him. Spinoff's interesting. I mean, obviously, ScarJo has the acting chops to hold her own movie. Sure. Um, sure. But like, just like the character of Black Widow and the way that she has been written, she's just like an am- she's just a great support character, right? Like, she's like a crutch. I mean, she's definitely a crutch for Cap. Yes. And... What I think is oh, she's a, cr- a crutch for Tony too. She is, and, and I think that's you know this is a almost dangerous territory. What I'm getting into here when I say that's a good role for her character to have because we're in a political environment that you know women should be leaders, especially superheroes, and they should take charge. But I don't think Black Widow is really that type of character. Um, but they're trying to make her that kind of character. Hmm. Certainly in the MCU, she's not been that kind of character so far. Yeah, that's true. So. Um, I, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it, you know, yeah. I'll definitely see it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just wanted to point out that, that Hawkeye's back, ready to take down Thanos with <laughs> a single arrow. Put, been in his tights for the last three years, just waiting to get the call. <laughs> it's coming today. Every morning he wakes up, it's coming today. Him and his six kids that he's taking to <laughs> yeah. school or whatever. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um... Well, that's all I got for banter. Yeah, I mean, cool. we don't have Marty, so we're not going to go on another 45 no, minutes with it. No more so, mon- no monologues. No more monologues. Just rants. So let's have our first condescending controversy. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, listener, we have not prepared really at all for this condescending controversy, and the results of which may show that next time we have to prepare. We'll have to we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, Test run. Test run. Basically, this this episode is just Kickstarter themed. We've got a couple topics, a couple segments that are different. Right. Um, but this is definitely a Kickstarter themed segment, and so will condescending controversy. And what we have to come up with, or what I need to try to make a case with on the spot is that Kickstarters and crowdfunding have severely lost value um, and are no longer really worth it. And I I guess as I think about it, there's a few reasons for that. One thing that I would throw out at you, Leland, would you agree or disagree that instead of getting, you know, for example, tremendous early access and actually making a project happen, that Kickstarter is just a little way along the path of getting a few extra bucks on a project that's inevitably going to happen for the most part. Oh man. Um, I, I don't know if you can say that's the majority. Like, is hmm. that what you're going for? That's what you think? That's what I think okay. the majority that now, I've seen. Now, again, I think that there's a big difference when you look at different sections of Kickstarter Two. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the only, I've only ever backed board game Kickstarters. Really? So that is all that I. That's all where my knowledge, my Kickstarter experience comes from. Solely board Interesting. games. Interesting. Yeah. 
Interesting. Whereas you, what if, what if, what kind of stuff have you mostly you video games? Mm, right. Okay. With a few movies, That's and in fact, the only board game I think I've ever kickstarted was the one we'll be discussing later. <laughs> oh, that Talk sucks. about sour fucking taste. Yeah, in I'm the kidding, mouth. right? But um, okay. I mean, and I think that another thing I don't like is I think that um, that uh, stretch goals aren't what they used to be. That they're now just being slapdash added, literally, as the crowdfunding campaign is going on. Because nobody knows how much they actually need anymore. You know, you get these big companies that ask for two million dollars to make fifty, and they're trying to you know figure out how to keep the money coming in so they're just making shit up you know we'll add 50 galaxies to star citizen or something you know we'll <laughs> add group wormhole or <laughs> i don't even yeah, know what group I, wormhole I will is. definitely met um stretch goals can get way out of fucking hand and i just think when okay i mean i'm only i'm speaking out of my ass because it's one board game that i've kickstarted but Evil Dead 2 was f- fucking expensive for the decent version that I wanted of it. I yeah. feel like they tried to... You know to what? Sh- I look back and I actually didn't put... I've, I think I backed the deluxe version at like 80 US dollars. Yeah, which is like 300 Canadian. So. Well, yeah, it, it is It is probably <laughs> closer shipping. to... It's like 100 bucks plus shipping Canadian. So yeah, yeah okay. You know, 20 or $30 shipping. We're paying 150-ish. So yes, that is that is pricey. That's that's very pricey, that pricey. for one board game. Yeah, that's well, true. You know, and I look at my experience with with crowdfunding, and it's just gone downhill. So the very first thing I actually kickstarted was a movie, um, GTFO, which is stands for you know get the the fuck out if you don't show cleavage, which is a I guess it was a some sort of thing that was said around the gaming community that was sexist and right and directed like at female directed gamers, at female gamers. Right. Yeah. and that was actually a very good experience that kickstarter was delivered on time mine got lost in the mail legitimately the creator she got back to me an email right away no questions asked put another one in the mail and and it was worth the money that i spent it was i don't know 35 bucks or something even with exchange so that was a good experience and That's that good. started off and that was a documentary right? that was a documentary um and then and then actually came uh xenonauts which was good that was really good that was suggested to me from a friend who said you know this looks like they've got everything in order so so go that for was it. for the original version not this updated one not the updated though i did kickstart both right um uh, actually the original version came much later than my second kickstarter which was <laughs> star citizen so you want to talk condescending <laughs> controversy. Oh, Stars, oh, it's so bad. They're now like selling multi-crewed ships that do nothing. They basically just explore, also known as drive fast. I, I don't know. They don't That's have many guns or do anything. Ugh. And they, they're selling like $10,000, $20,000 packages just to keep the company going. It's ridiculous. That is insane. It has come. It sounds very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> well, what it is. I don't know the official name if it's a Ponzi scheme or what, but where money has to continually roll in in exchange for bigger promises that are not delivered and therefore even larger amounts of money need to come in. Yeah. And that is a Ponzi scheme. That is a Ponzi scheme. Okay. Then Kickstarter may have become a Ponzi scheme in a way. Because. (laughs) Okay. You talking huge, broad, sweeping strokes. Yes. I'm making a fucking controversy. You can't do that. You can't. 
you can't fucking pin all of the shit that individuals pull on a platform that thousands of people use. You can't just shit like, on the are platform you gonna because say of that. that. Are you going to say... So you're making the argument that Kickstarter is enabling this behavior. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely is Kickstarter. Okay, well, I, th- I think there's a difference between enable, enabling and... I don't even know what I'm saying. I, I, okay, I understand. I don't know how much, not very much policing clearly goes on. And, and that was going to be a point I was going to bring up. And I up. suppose that is enabling. I, I guess you have a point there. But I don't know. It's anybody who does Kickstart should be very knowledgeable. Like they should know that it's a risk. And there are ways to mitigate those risks, which we'll actually get into. But I just think overall, I mean, again, I'm com- I'm coming from specifically from board game. Kickstarter is was integral in this ho- this hobby's blowing up like it has in the last five years, like super key. And yeah, there are some companies that continue to use Kickstarter, raking in you know hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars, and just using the platform because. Because I don't know, because it's convenient, because it actually is like, you know, it, it, it does work when it's used properly. It does work, right? And unfortunately, though, those people, uh, they overshadow some of the hidden gems, right? They make those gems hidden. Mm. And that's a, that's a problem. I think that's a huge problem. Wow. Wow. You are bringing up something that I have not thought of. And... I my mind is racing because I'm totally seeing how that is. Um, I I would say that's almost a negative. Would you say it's to I think the point it's, that I, it's now yes. a legit negative? I, I think it is a negative. Yes, I think it's definitely a negative because I mean, okay, obviously anybody familiar with Kickstarter and board game hobby, you know that the biggest one that would come to mind is Simon Games. They continually raise like a million plus dollars on all of the, any of the games they they do. Right. And they continue to use Kickstarter basically as their pre-order system. Like wow. their their company has grown to the size where I full well I'm sure they could manage a pre-order system on their own website and not go through the avenue of Kickstarter and paying eight to ten percent of whatever funds they raise to Kickstarter. Interesting. Now clearly somebody there has decided um, using the survey kits and the you know the built-in the address management and the payment management just through Kickstarter. Clearly that is way more efficient and cost-effective to use than developing your own pre-order system. Uh, and I totally get that. And yeah, there's always a bottom line, but that's also a negative side for Kickstarter. Kickstarter doesn't give a shit, right? Kickstarter started to be for little guys, but Kickstarter doesn't give a fuck. If <laughs> Kickstarter wants campaigns to be successful, they, they yes, want they them do. to be coming back. Of course, that's how they stay in bits, right? It's it's money. It's, <laughs> it is just greed. It, it is greed. Absolutely. And... I can see the argument that it's it feels as if that it's got the greed has gotten to the point that it's far out overshadowing the original message of Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, that would be a point of mine. Yeah, yeah, and I think I would. Uh, I think I have to agree with you on that <laughs> for a lot. Like, and I, so, and again, I'm thinking what specifically a game I recently backed, Fire in the Library, published by Weird Draft Games, and uh, developed by Tony Miller, who. Tony's super cool. Twitter buddies with him. We interact sometimes. Um, but that is that's that's a lesser known publisher, obviously, right? And 
Uh, they had they had great success, luckily, and I'm happy for them, and I backed their game, and I'm awaiting my copy. Um, but like without the word of mouth, right? Like the the word of mouth is not coming from the platform, you know. And okay, one Kickstarter search function is fucking garbage. Oh, absolutely. If you yes. don't literally type in the name, letter for letter, punctuation, you cannot find it. I have tried. Yes, I have had that issue. Yes, you cannot fucking find it. Like, uh, okay, uh, sir, you search Evil Dead 2. It's Evil Dead 2, the official board game. You don't search that whole title. You're not fucking finding it. And then you have to scroll through pages, like hundreds of projects to find and try to filter it. Again, if, and if, and if you're just trying to find something that someone offhandedly mentioned to you, maybe you heard it mentioned on a podcast two weeks ago that you listened to. You're like, hey, I just remember I should check that game out. Well, how the fuck are you supposed to find it? You're not. In fact, what Kickstarter basically is, in my mind, or, or what it's becoming them themselves, is they tell you what to kickstart now. Yeah. They recommend these certain projects which look like they're going to snowball and succeed and, and yes. be whatever. That is a great point. Right in back to Evil Dead 2, they, Kickstarter has that projects we love, right? That's their that's their promotion page, the, the front page. They'll throw it out. Now, throughout its campaign, its long campaign, Evil Dead 2 was a project we love. Mm. And Evil Dead 2 was an epic failure at the end of it, which I will get into next segment. But So, yeah, I mean, Kickstarter is. Kickstarter sees a project being successful, and that's what is measured. To I don't know what exactly the criteria is to get on that project we love. Yeah, It's success. It's a certain percentage funded over a certain amount of time. Like, well, I don't know what the formula is. Yeah. You almost wonder if they give like an additional kickback for it or something. You, you see, you that, wonder. that's what I don't know, and that's what I don't know if 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 Kickstarter like takes like negotiations with larger companies like Simon. Maybe Simon has negotiated a, a better yeah rate to keep coming back to them, and then that's why it's more cost effective. Like who? I don't know, and I, I would not either. be surprised if Kickstarter did do that. Like I like. The way the oh man, I would not be right. I'm, I'm on your side. Well, how did I? But get you know to what? On your side? We're still getting fucking angry, and that's the point. <laughs> no, but but angry. I still it's think a controversy. I will not stop using Kickstarter, despite. Okay, so I've backed 38 projects today. Holy, which you know what? Yeah, that's a double digit number, but like that's a lot more people have backed a lot more projects, and there has been one excluding Evil Dead Two, one project that did not deliver so far, and. I had, at the time, it was right when I got into the hobby, I was, boom, gung-ho on Kickstarter. I had, a, like, a dozen of them running at one time that I had backed, maybe. So I kind of forgot about it. This campaign that wrapped up in 2015 for a game called Exoplanets. And, um, like, I think it was only in 2017, I'm like, hey, I don't have this game. <laughs> so I messaged the the creators. Um, at the time, I think it was Borden, Borden Dice, I think. And... I'm like, what's going on? Like, hey, I just realized I never received my copy. Uh, is there, you know, some way I could get my hands on it? Because I wanted the game. I, I, right. I, I, didn't, I didn't care about getting my money back. I just wanted, I wanted the game. But they're like, you know, you know, it's been so long. We don't have, obviously, they don't have any tracking information. They can't track. They, there's no way they could track it down. So they, they've refunded me. So I got hmm. my money back. Nice. So great experience. And I did end up... Um, buying the, the game in retail so okay. luckily it was successful enough for where it made it to retail which was nice so i ended up getting i ended up picking it up anyways but like i've had nothing but 
success, I guess. Like, uh, even, honestly, Evil Dead 2 is the first stumbling block I've, I've really hit. And that's not to say that every project is delivered on time. Because, again, when you're backing, you know, five or six projects at a time without putting the time into tracking them yourself, right? I don't, I couldn't tell you when any of those projects delivered compared to when they said they were going to deliver. Right. So I don't know. I, I don't know if it's like a mindset or if um, it's just like the way that I specifically ha- handle it or, or, or get myself involved in the projects. So that is a question. Brings up a question. Do you read all of the project updates when you receive them? Yes. You on anything you back, you'll read on them all. Anything I back, I read them all. Oh, okay. Because I do not. <laughs> you do not. I very often, just like, oh, okay, cool, I'll update, and then kind of. Well, I'm don't read it. I'm a lonely it. single man, so I don't get lots of mail. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but no, when it when it pops up, um, I mean, it's because I haven't done a lot of Kickstarters too, so it's yeah. not like I'm getting flooded with them. Right. Um, I'm emotionally attached to all of them in the way that you know i really want to see them succeed because i've done so few and i mean i i had had another one go awry so i mean star citizen whatever you know it's in the public eye they've got a partial alpha out there they have something but i mean there was a small indie game horror indie game that i um, kickstarted called asylum and that's an absolute basket case like everybody's revolting against the creator um, he tried to do a second Kickstarter to fund the first, which oh was really God. bad. Like, uh, and he admitted it. And it's like, no, no, no. That's brutal. That's that's bad. And so, I mean, that one did not succeed. People banded together and are like, you know, the guy's name is Augustine or Augustine, the guy that uh, runs the whole studio. It's a small studio. And, and everyone's like, no, man, like, we're not we're not Ugh. helping you out with this you got to finish the game and he's like keeps changing the engine and he like barely has a non-playable demo out and that one's been like four or five years and the scope isn't that big it's just like a i don't know like a unity engine um like one haunted house and asylum do some puzzles like this is not triple a level stuff and he's never been a triple a developer so yeah he's just that one is just really botched and, and screwed too. Yeah. And one of the things I've actually had on Kickstarter that I that disappoints me, I always pay more to get a physical copy. So for Star Citizen, I am supposed to get a physical boxed copy of that game. <laughs> I'm supposed to get a physical boxed it, copy of it's Asylum. Come with twenty discs by the time That's they're done fine. adding all their shit. <laughs> I'll strap it together with duct tape and make it a cord. But I want my discs. I want my box. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm totally with you on that. And yeah. I mean you like the boxes that you love your video you love your boxes for your your board games and now take up a whole room in your yeah. household. Yeah. Um yeah. I, I mean there's no, something about like having the physical, right? I do too. I do too. Um so and you know what ends up happening there? It's really weird. So they start offering you discounts if you downgrade to digital. And I'm like, no. I like click. No, I still want physical. Right. And eventually they force you to take a digital with a deeper discount. So you actually get oh. a break. But they do force you right, to take Of course, take they digital. don't. I mean, in that medium, they don't want to make. They don't want to send you physical copies, right? No, Imagine no. if every game you bought on Steam, they mails you a physical copy. 
<laughs> you, would, you wouldn't be getting you wouldn't be getting sixty percent discounts every summer in no, winter, right? right? No, <laughs> no, you would not. And I mean, in that case, you know, I like dis- digital distributions. Fine, you know, Xenonauts and Xenonauts Two, those are fine. Um, you know, and and I'm like Xenonauts Two is one that I think is going to be awesome because it's just incremental um, upgrades over the first, better graphics, movable camera, blah blah blah, more yeah. content. I mean, it's. It's almost like a re- reworking of the first game. And so that right. one will be fine. Right, right, right. Um, You know, the only other one, I, I kickstarted oak whiskey glasses once. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you, you doing remember that. remember me yeah. doing that? And there actually ended up being a controversy over that. I haven't used mine much. And it comes with a beeswax. And I just assumed you slather the beeswax everywhere. It came with uh, instructions. Apparently, like people's cups are cracking after like a year. They weren't using. The they weren't using properly. it, but then they're blaming not good instructions on telling them exactly how much to apply and in what spots. Hmm. I mean, mine doesn't have that problem, and even if it cracked, I wouldn't care. I mean, you know, it just has more whiskey getting in the cracks and soaking up that nice oaky taste. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I suppose if it cracked enough where you can't use it, then yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot you had done those. Yeah, I remember when you backed those. I have a I have a confession. So I never complained oh about it, but they were supposed to come with one little wax protector thing for each. Yeah. So mine only came with two waxes for the three cups. So I basically picked myself, of course, to keep a wax, and then I picked my favorite friend of the two, who was getting a whiskey to get the wax. <laughs> the other knows no better. I even removed the instructions. <laughs> I don't think he listens to the podcast, so he's probably got a pile of splinters. Like, it's covered. But oh man, whatever. that's hilarious. You love the Moby. That's the Moby hilarious. loves you. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't know. You know what, Leland? Make give me hope. Give me hope to go back on Kickstarter and, and do something because I haven't been on in like a year. Like, I don't know, just. <laughs> breathe hope into me or something okay well okay so again i mentioned fire in the library yes there's another game that i'm really excited to get fantastic factories okay um i met uh the two designers and uh, designers and artists um at terminal city con oh nice in march this year joseph and justin and they put so much work into this game. They've play testing for years. Wow. And uh man, the art's super cool and cute and like it's like this uh you know, dice allocation game and resource management and it look it's it, and I played it and it's it's so fun and they've put so much uh work into this and they're you know, in their heart and soul and then they uh finally they felt they were ready to to, to bring it to Kickstarter and they had immense success. I think they more than doubled their asking total, if I recall correctly. And and they deserve it. And they, they fully deserve it. And, uh, I mean, obviously it's yet to be seen whether or not they're going to be delivered or if they're, what challenges they may come up themselves. Um, but I don't know. It just, <sighs> like, that's they're what Kickstarter is for. And it's really nice to see that the platform still is doing what it was originally intended to do so. Even if you have to wade through some of the chaff and some of the giants and the titans at the top of it. Because there's a lot of fucking crap on Kickstarter. And I wonder if there needs to be some type of vetting system that Kickstarter puts into place. Or if 
if there is a system like that, then it maybe it could be they need to up it. I don't I don't know. Like there is so much shit you there have to is. wade through. There is. There's so much crap. And I and I've been to it, and you're right. It's so opaque to find what you're looking for. And if you know, it just suggests, you know, the, the most useless crap. Like, you know, silly putty that smells more nutty than the normal putty. <laughs> it's like I don't want this. I don't care that it's been back for five million dollars. But yeah. You know, it's just yeah. Useless trinkets and crap on it. I mean, I don't know what the, what would that vetting system even be, right? Like, I mean, it's no skin off Kickstarter's nose if someone's campaign fails. No, I get, I guess right? not. But and who 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 is someone at Kickstarter to say whether or not someone's passion project, regardless of how weird or out there it may seem to them, would not garner interest and be successful? Well, you have to have a minimum level of vetting, and I think they kind of do. I bet you they have to collect all sorts of personal information and verify that address and stuff like that. I think you have to create a video, like it's mandatory. Um, so that takes yeah, effort. but there's no quality control in those videos. No, there isn't. Uh, most of the majority of those videos don't have any information on the campaign. Oh, it's oh, li- really? It's a lot of the time, it's just like an introduction to their game. It doesn't. It's not. So that's oh. not where. That's not where they have the. Like the 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 gameplay or, or gameplay run throughs like that opening, you know, it's like a minute and a half of, of hey, this is what our game is, and they, maybe they should flash by some stills of some art, right, and all this stuff. Like a lot of people don't even watch those, that video. Like I never watch those videos. What I'm scrolling down is I'm scrolling down to see some of the gameplay videos, and that that and the quality of those, you know, goes into running a successful campaign, which is a whole other thing, right? And what's what's good and Actually, yeah, some of that could fall into what to look for in one of our upcoming segments in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, to remind me to get back to that, but yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, but yeah, you're right. The video must be mandatory, right? There must have to have something. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's really the body of the campaign that has all the valuable information. That, that video is basically worthless, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's you're right. That's almost a topic to to discuss in that one. So. Um, I, I don't know if we resolved anything in this I don't know. controversy. Yeah, I don't know. Saying. I'm just, I'm still fully on board with Kickstarter. I will continue to use, I mean, we didn't even talk about Kickstarter exclusives and what, how bad or good those are to specific hobbies. I have not been to Kickstarter in so long and I don't even think I know of them. So we'll, we'll, well a Kickstarter that. exclusive is just something that you can only get if you backed that Kickstarter. A lot of board games will have uh, specific like miniatures, oh, um, oh, like okay. like Blood Rage, Simon uh, game, um, and I think Rising Rising Sun. I assume Rising Sun, but Blood Rage had a few different like of the monsters specifically were Kickstarter monsters that you got with a base or a upgraded pledge or whatever it was of on the Kickstarter. So if you missed it, you were forced, and you wanted to complete everything, you were forced to track it down secondhand for outrageous prices. Mm. So what do you think of that shit? Because there's actually um, a game Simon just run hate. I believe that game is they touted it and are, according to what they say, intending it to to exclusively be a Kickstarter wow. availability. Like it's not going to retail, um, and I think that was due to um, a, a, the um, a lot the source material is it's uh, like based off a uh, graphic novel of the same name 
that's incredibly violent. You know, it's about cannibals, tribes, and post-apocalyptic stuff. So it's you know incredibly gruesome and graphic. And <laughs> I remember when the campaign was going like, they're okay. Talk about video worthless videos. Their video for that campaign. If, if it's, oh, I'm sure I could probably show it to you. I'm gonna show it to you when we're done recording. Okay. It's like the most outrageously stupid thing ever. It's like so over the top, which. No, yes, no, but it was like fucking meat, yeah, fresh fucking meat. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow, it's, it's take my hundred dollars, American. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know, I don't know what exclusives do to this to the board game hobby specifically. I mean, I suppose I'm a bit of a completionist. I'm not quite as bad as I used to be, but I don't know when. Um, actually, what gets me with um, uh, Tasty Mitchell Games. When they do Kickstarters, you can get like a sweet ass deluxe version and you get all these upgraded components and they're nice and beautiful. And what kills me is that like, can't they offer you to like buy that package from them like after the fact? Like I have a Yokohama, it's a retail version, so it doesn't have all the the cool like wooden meeple pieces. It's got just cardboard chits, which, you know, fully functional and, and usable, but like doesn't look pretty it's pretty <laughs> as the you know deluxified yeah. version so and i missed and i did miss that kickstarter i was not in time to i couldn't even back it even if i had the funds at the time because i just told i just it was one of the you know it got lost uh in the chaff and i it flew under my radar i just whatever right like right. like a uh, three dozen kickstarters a month will do because there's so much of it right i just ugh. I don't know. Let's move on. Let's fucking move on. Let's move on. Yeah, I'm sure we'll discuss many of the same things in our yeah. final segment. Yeah, okay. So, well. but uh, we're ready to rage. So, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. We're ready it. for crazy about fucking cardboard tables rattling. Ah, dead evil. Dead evil is the name of this segment. So, basically, we're going to be bitching about uh, the Evil Dead 2, the official board game campaign run by Space Goat Productions. There's a name. Space Goat Productions. Okay, so a little background on Space Goat from what I know. Uh, Originally, so they were Space Goat Publishing, I think. So they they published some lesser-known graphic novels. And um, I guess they decided they, they wanted to foray into the board game hobby as well and expand their business. And they picked up some licenses that they seemed to be really excited about and had uh, they seemed to have designers that were really excited about to, to work with them and were true fans of those IPs that they wanted to develop. The three IPs being Evil Dead 2, specifically Evil Dead 2, mm-hmm. um, The Terminator, specifically, you know, The Terminator, and The Howling. And um, I don't know anything about The Howling. I don't know if it is also... I don't know what I don't even know what the hell it is. I'm sure it's a werewolf something, right? Um, and okay, so they launched the first campaign they launched was for Evil Dead Two. Now I Moby I spent a full like legitimately eight hours researching and going through wow. the history of this. So I went back and I read through every update that they sent through this campaign. Wow! I jotted some notes down for the for the important highlights, and I went through. Um, I went back through the last 5,000 comments on the Kickstarter page, which was only dated to five months ago. Wow. There are uh, over 21,000 comments on that Kickstarter page. Holy crap. And uh, 
the majority of them boil down to where the hell's our game? Yes. <laughs> yes. That would be our comment yeah. if we were yeah. there. I will say from those 5,000 that I read, um, despite it being near like right at the tail end of the campaign and basically very evident that this game's dead in the water, majority, the vast majority of commenters on there were still very civil and hmm. basically still still very like they just they just want the game. I mean, well, like of course it's separated into two camps, basically. People who just want the game and people who are just, you know what, just give me my money back. Yeah. Which we'll get into why that's a problem. But Okay, so Evil Dead 2. They launched their campaign July 6th, 2016. Wow. Yeah. It funded uh, August 9th of 2016. And I think I wrote down what they... Okay, so their original asking price was 70000 And the initial inception of this game, the, the, the first iteration of it... Was it's, it was very modest, you know. It was it just there's uh, it takes place in the cabin. There's a, there's a the game board is basically the cabin, um, and uh, I think they were originally planning minis from the outset. I assume um, and you're just battling the deadites, and uh, players can become infected, and they could be turned into deadites, which would then change their win condition, obviously, and then it could would kind of turn into like a team a team uh, team game, right? Versus game kind of, and. They ended up raising over seven hundred thousand dollars. Wow! So they, you know, they raised ten times their asking price, and they it it blew up. It blew up the the stretch goals, the add-ons that they came up with. It just blew up, and the scope just went out of control for them. Wow! Out of control. There was no possible way they could have they could have delivered on what they promised like they so over promised yeah wasn't it like a crazy like you know super specific miniatures that were fully formed well yeah and then they were they were even offering offering people uh fully painted minis like it was oh so much stuff so okay so the campaign the campaign ends it's incredibly successful and they you know the the stretch goals and the add-ons that they promoted during the campaign, they are uh, still, they're making the tweaks on and they're still, they're still tweaking and they're still finalizing and meaning you can't get this. You're not getting this, the backer kit survey in for what you've ordered. Right. Right. Um, because you don't have full information all, on all these add-ons. Sure. And eventually that survey closes and then you can no longer get those add-ons. So the survey they push back, uh, I think only by a bit, by a week though. Um, which again, I, I'm not sure if this is common or uncommon. I just, I just don't know. But I, these are just what this is just the facts. This is what happens. And so part of the part of one of the the extra things um, was uh, these cabin dice, and they claimed uh. they claimed that they were as a pair of dice crafted from the wood from the actual yes, cabin. I remember that. Yeah. I almost splurged for that. It was almost right. Tempted. So they. Yeah, right, and then they were laser etched with uh, specific symbols that would, you know, apply to this game specifically. Obviously, so you couldn't use them for like actual dice. And obviously, they're made of wood. They're not really meant to be played with the game. They're just they're not balanced properly. Right, you you can't use them really as proper proper dice. But I think they were asking like seventy five bucks for a pair or something, and then you would get it on a certificate of authenticate auth- uh, authenticity. Authenticity. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Former English teacher. Yeah. <laughs> So they just continue to add add-ons here until about October 24th, 2016. The final batch of 
uh, add-ons, uh, which included more unique minis and more cards and tokens like minis on minis on minis. Where did I write it down? Okay, so at the end total, there was uh, almost 100 figures what? you would get in the game with 56 unique sculpts Holy after everything crap. was said and done. If, if you got everything, that's what you would would sh- should have received. That yeah. is a lot of fucking minis. Now, I can actually give some really special, well, or unique information here. Um, my day job, yeah. I work in the plastics industry. And part of what we do is plastic molding. Now, every time you make a mold for every unique figure, you need tooling. And even in China, where these are manufactured... Tooling's expensive. Yeah. I mean, you're talking like easy ten grand a mold. Yeah. So you start adding that up, um, and, and I mean that's like a simple mold. You start adding that up for injection molding and, and the precision of these tooling. They probably gave away a huge chunk of that money in, in tooling alone. Nonetheless, production. Right. So in one of the early updates, they said that um, by November first, uh, they should have. They were. Their plan was to have all of the, you know, all the uh, the files for the minis and all that stuff sent to the factory they're using, uh, Panda Manufacturing. So that was supposed to happen by November 1st. The survey's being due October 31st, and November 1 would be the cutoff, obviously. Now, anybody who has backed uh, a Kickstarter knows how easy it is to miss one of those surveys. I've missed, I'm late, I was late on a few surveys uh, a, a number of times, and... I don't know. That just seems really wishful thinking. Like, like, like again, they're very inex- they're incredibly inexperienced. They got flooded with all of this this cash that they had yeah. no expectation that they would ever raise. And of course, when they were originally getting quotes and figuring out the number that they needed to produce what they wanted, talking with Panda Manufacturing, now all of a sudden they have ten times the amount that they <laughs> that they wanted and had negotiated with Panda Manufacturing. And that Panda Manufacturing was said they could handle with this. Like, what? Uh, like, holy fuck. It, it just yeah, blew up. It, it, blew, it up. blew up. And it sounds like they were just throwing stretch goals out there that they had no hope of ever fulfilling. Yeah, honestly, I don't. So, November 15th, 2016, they're not done. Not Nothing is <laughs> nothing. not done. They're still finalizing 3D, uh, 3D modelers to get them print ready. And, okay, so a big problem with, with their minis is they only had one sculptor doing the minis. They had Ooh. one dude working on it. And that's that comes a little later, though. So that's in November 15th of 2016. And um, so they also sent out an update at this on the same time, in that same update, that uh, they've just picked up the rights for the Terminator, the official board game. And they say, no, don't worry. Just so you, everyone is well aware, there's been talks. This will not interfere with the Evil Dead 2 campaign. There will be, they're completely separate, different teams working. It'll be totally fine. Um, they're going to both be in completely different stages of production. So there's not going to be overlapping, even if we do have overlapping personnel. You know, the, the different stages are going to be handled so very differently. Like, because at this point, okay, so originally uh, they put for Evil Dead 2, they wanted a November 2016 delivery date. Which is ridiculous, considering they only funded it in the beginning of August. <laughs> wow! So <laughs> yeah, we have a game to make here. People. So they wanted uh, what is that like a four months turnaround? That's impossible. <laughs> Come on, you idiots! 
So that was revised to, um, I think, July. No, when was that revised to? Yeah, I don't know. They 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 very quickly revised that delivery date until you know early 2017. I think spring of 2017. But uh, where were we here? Okay. Oh yeah. So about that Terminator. So yeah, they say okay, it's not gonna it's not gonna uh, impact Evil the Two, but though uh, both the Terminator game and Evil the Two had the same um, develop the lead developer Taylor Smith. He was doing both games. So how does that not get interfere? I know. I don't it's, know. It's impossible. Okay. So. Oh, and then, of course, throughout, you know, uh, July and August, basically, we're getting updates saying, like, okay, you know, we're getting we're getting held up with the licenses. The, anything with Bruce Campbell's likeness on it needs to be submitted to, to his people, which then his people give it to him, and then he signs off on it, and it comes back to us. So, you know, that's taking – that took them – that took them uh, almost a month later than I think they had originally planned. Wow. So, that was a – Huge delays again. I remember that. I yeah. remember when that happened. Yeah. Okay, so come uh, December 16, 2016, they apparently still don't have all the surveys from everybody. And they're finally locking uh, add-on availability on the servers. Come December, like a month like a month and a half later than how that they anticipated, right? So that's how things wrap up. That's that this shows their inexperience, I think. And uh, okay, so they released a print and play on January 22nd of 2017 at least. Which we could actually maybe put together and actually see how it plays. Oh, sure. As long yeah. as we burn it after. <laughs> oh. uh, okay, let's see. We got an update on Feb 1, 2017. Non-game print material is done. Meaning posters and add-on comics. So, again, since they have they have you know their printing side, which uh, I assume is a successful business. So, they know what they're doing on that side, at least. Right. That was part of all the extra stuff, right? So, they're getting all of their known business stuff done first because it's easy for them right exactly and their piece and their piece they're able to offer the you know quote unquote offer this to their backers to to appease them and it worked it worked because everyone's just excited to get this stuff that's right everyone just wants it well and it makes it feel like there's progress being made that's exactly right completely that's exactly right okay so come march 1st of 2017 um the figures the minis are still getting worked on um and they're finally now talking about bringing in more sculptors, like an actual mm. sculptor team. But um, actually, before all of this, um, they actually... Oh, okay. I'm sorry. No, March 15th. So they, uh, they've now said they told us that they've actually switched manufacturers. They're no, no longer using patent manufacturing. They're using Boda manufacturing. Don't, so manufacturer actually has a name. Because in those oh, updates, yeah, you, you it was, look them up. they would just call it manufacturer. manufacturer. Yeah, I know. It's cryptic. So, and apparently the, the sculptor and the, and the mini worker was recommended to them by Boda's contacts. Because Boda does not actually do mini work themselves. Boda third parties out the mini oh. work. So, you've got this, fa- this Chinese factory piecemealing out their own work to other Chinese factories, right? But... Apparently, the sculptor came highly recommended, and um, he, you know, was touted as being very skilled, and that they, that Boda worked with him all the time. But again, it's one dude, it's one guy being contracted for this, and eventually his schedule and the delays caused basically him to drop out because of his own scheduling conflict and these other commitments that he's made. 
because he didn't expect this project to take him six months where he was expecting four or five weeks. Well, and what you're seeing is these kind of random weak chain links being yeah. added to this chain slapdash. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they're probably trying, trying to zap tie this thing together. Exactly. Yeah, so that actually, sorry, that, um, that manufacturing switch happened in January of 2017. Okay. So... Yeah, but by middle of March, I mean, they had been working with Boda for and the new sculptor for like three three months, three and a half months, right? Was that when we started getting, I mean, there was at one point we got an update where it's like, yeah, sorry you haven't heard from us for three months. There was like a two-week Chinese New Year. And it's like, well, why did that cost us the winter? Okay, re- so, so, okay, Chinese New Year is a big deal. It is yes. incredibly annoying to work around. I've experienced myself in my profession getting product in. Uh, getting fall product in, it is a bitch because everything shuts down over there for a week. Um, plus, uh, according, I, uh, they there's also another holiday called like the Golden Week or something. So um, I think it come that comes twice a year. So of course, in their updates, this has hit them twice in, in mm. this right in this year. Um, so come February, it eats up about two weeks, uh, and then you know a slow ramp into firing things back up. I suppose could stretch into three. So that is that is a very real thing. But that was a crotch that Space Goat used continuously. Yes. Continuously. Oh, my fucking God. I remember that. And that was the point. It was those specific updates where it just started to give me that that ugly intuition that something is going wrong. And I think I remember expressing that to you. And at the time, you're like, well, Moby, these things happen. Well, okay. Yeah. Yes. And yes, I was. I was was right. I was sucked in. I was very... You know, I came to the defense of Space Coat and the manufacturing problems. And um, at this point, it had only been a year. Sure. And that's fair. And you, you would have known better than me that, that these things right. happen. So at this point, a year in, here I'm thinking, okay. So, like, uh, I can figure out a lead time of, uh, you know, production and shipping to distributors um, or the hubs, right? And then from hubs to actual people. Maybe another three months, right? Like 10 to 12 weeks possibly. So here that puts us under a year and a half after a successful, you know, Kickstarter. I've, I'm feeling pretty good about that. I'm especially with the content they were saying that were going to give us. Right. At that point, I was feeling, I was like, you know what? A um, year and a half, that's fine. So I, I mean, I was totally fine with it. I've waited, I've waited that long for, for stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but I could see where some impatience. Uh, especially when they, you know, gave us two delivery timelines that have been far exceeded already, right? Right. So, okay, but in the beginning of August, August 2nd, 2017, we get an update saying that they have now just sent back the final notes on the minis to the manufacturer. <laughs> I, I know, and, and you're going like, this is August. Right, so then come August 15th, um, the molds, uh, they t- tell us, apparently, the molds are now being created for the minis. So production on the minis has started. Uh, September 18, 2017, uh, they were Space Code HQs received um, some of the finalized sculpts uh, after bad files um, that were sent to the manufacturer. There was problems with some of the files. Uh, a lot of their minis were missized and Ooh. had it had to be re-sculpted. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> they figure that out. It looks like around the end of September, they, they've they figured this out. Uh, okay, and, and September 18th, so 
they are now starting to ship those non-game printed materials to their backers. So they're they're which is which is insane because you have to, you're assuming that the shipping that you have paid includes all that stuff in one go. Good point. So they are now sending they're now starting to piecemeal stuff so backers don't get pissed. Ah, ah, <laughs> like come on. That's yeah, that's not good. Okay, so three days later, September 21, 2017, we get we get basically a timeline. They've given they've given us a timeline. And from here on out, periodically they've sent they've sent us literally they would send us they would in their updates would be a calendar with you know color coded sections of it. If, I don't know if you recall those in those updates. Color coded sections yeah. saying, okay, this is this is uh, mini prep. Okay, now this is mini production. Okay, this is now assembly, et cetera, et cetera. And they're giving us a huge big like again a three month timeline. Right. So okay, so they tell us it'll be about thirty days. Uh, for mold creation, plus another week, another seven for testing to make sure they're fine. Then after that, 45, uh, excuse me. Then after that, 45-day production, 10-day assembly, looking at, uh, in September 20, September 1st, they're telling us they're looking at a late Feb, early March. Yeah, late okay. Feb, early March of 2018 delivery time. Wow. And the time to paint the minis that, People paid for it, not included in that production schedule. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so here, okay. So I've, I've put a note for myself that they have their 30-day count. The start of that 30-day mold creation starts October 1. According to them, <laughs> wow. tw- that is when minis are going into production. That is a very important note. Keep that in <laughs> mind, listener. Okay. <laughs> October. We mold. get an update. October 17th, 2017. Still finalizing molds for the minis. Wow. Now they've stated that their 30-day timeline started October 9th. Oh. So they pushed that back a week and a bit. So now they're giving themselves a little more grace period here. (laughs) Wow. Um, Okay, so I have a quote here from Sean Burry, who is the president of Spaceco Productions. Uh, He quotes... The mold costs alone exceeded our original funding goal of $70,000. Oh, <laughs> really? Oh, really? You fucking asshole. And who actually, without knowing that, <laughs> brought that up as just basic knowledge uh, a few minutes ago? Okay. Here we go. We jump all the way. A uh, bit of radio silence here. Yeah. At least for important stuff. All the way to March 30th, 2018. The minis are done. Oh. Minis are done, everybody. Backers, minis are yeah. done. Hallelujah. Now, paper components uh, are being edited. They're being finalized. And then they'll be started production. So they hadn't even... They're not even doing things at the same time. Like, okay, why can't Boda Manufacturing be doing printed material while uh, their third-party recommended places developing minis? Yeah, absolutely. Why is this shit not happening at the same time? Absolutely. What is going on here? You Great fucker. Question. Sean Great Burry, question. you fucker. You fucker. April 30th, 2018. Sean Burry announces to the backers that they have a very exclusive opportunity to become an equity backer in oh. Space Ghost Productions. <laughs> oh, no. That is, that is like that is like someone selling, you know, first class staterooms to the Titanic when it's oh. bow up. bow down i guess technically stern up guys there's still a few good state rooms left and he somehow came to a estimation estimated value of his company at five million dollars 
<laughs> for as low as $100, you could get a share in his company, which is not actually a share. It, it's not actually like you're buying like the share itself will appreciate. Basically, it will never raise in value. You could only ever lose your money if the company were, say, to go under. Like, it's not, it's, it's, yeah. it's horseshit. It's, it's bullshit. You know, Sean should not have come up with these figures while he was sipping pina colada in Jamaica <laughs> on the money that we gave him. Like, this is ridiculous. Uh, okay, and then finally, our last update, the last thing we've ever heard, May 24, 2018. Yeah. Equity scam has failed. And uh, here I quote from Sean Burry, a note from him. We need a few weeks to find the best path forward. As soon as we find the best path forward, you all will be the first to know. Mm. Mm. Last update. Last update. So apparently, though, um, he got 13 suckers to give him equity. Wow. Raised 3000 bucks from 13 people. Wow. I'm, you guys are idiots. <laughs> you guys are idiots. You, you can't. I hope he didn't actually get your three grand. No, I hope not. Oh. He kept the, the electricity on at Sean's mansion for, you know, a few days. You know, it like that that's that's panic button stuff there. That that's just like <laughs> absolute panic button stuff. So I do find it hilarious though that he got only thir- you know, three thousand dollars. Know, yeah, that's funny. It is funny because it shows how little faith people had in him by that point. Yeah. Oh, but, I just like I don't know. I, I didn't want to go through every single point no, that I, I I wrote. Like, there was a lot of stuff in, in the summer of 2017. Um, like, that's when they were telling us that they were having all their their mini problems and they were going through all that approval. They're you know using that whether or not it was true. Who knows how much trouble they actually went through with the licensor, which I do know is a big pain in the ass. And um, there came a point in the campaign where they were like. They had nothing else to tell us. At this point, they had told us minis were done, right? Right. So here we are thinking the minis are created. We're waiting on the board, the cardboard components to be printed. Which should be the easier part, you would yes, think. Yes, you would think. Uh, I could. I can, I can only imagine that it is quite similar to graphic novel publishing and print material publishing, right? Right. And we get this update that the they're finalizing the art on the box, now, during the campaign, this is what I'm still confused on. And, and had, if this game showed up today, I would not be able to tell you what cover I backed. So during the campaign, they had three different covers for this box that you could have chosen. Um, one, I think, was like uh, kind of an original like Evil Dead 2 cover. Uh, I think one was like the, ne- the Necronomicon, which, is, right. which I believe is the one that I opted in for. So they had problems with that. Uh, they flittered between wanting to just like make sleeves for the box, so you would have it would be you know you pull a sleeve like you would on a book. Uh, they scrapped that because it was too you know unwieldy, and so I don't even know what cover of this box you you would get if this thing actually delivered. Right. But there was a point in time going through the comments where there it, there had literally been ten weeks of updates of them saying. Hey, guys, we're working on the box. The box is real close. <laughs> and then it got to 12 weeks, to 14 weeks, to 16 weeks of them apparently Madness. working on the box. And the box is what held up everything. So the problem with them. Okay. So, okay. Maybe you're thinking, listener, Space Goat, inexperienced. They ran into a lot of unforeseen problems. They overestimated. They, they 
You know, they overpromised, underdelivered by far. Well, shit, that sucks. That's that's crappy. You know that I mean that can happen with a, a first time a first time Kickstarter, right? And a first time board game Kickstarter, I should say. But what the problem is is that the same time they were going through all these problems, they were going through very similar problems with the Terminator Kickstarter. Mm. Which the Terminator Kickstarter also successfully funded was not not nearly as successful as Evil to do Evil Dead Two. I think they raised about two hundred thirty thousand um, dollars. I'm not quite sure what their goal on that was, but so the combined of these Kickstarters, they've raised over a million dollars. Wow! And clearly, they were hoping that the Terminator was going to be as successful as Evil Dead Two. So they could pour a little more money into Evil Dead 2 and get it finished. Like, so for those, for those like four, three months that they claimed that they were working on box cover, they said that that was what was holding everything up. They needed to finalize the box because, and this does make sense, that they need to have the box done so they can figure out how everything in how the game fits actually fits into it, right? Everything that they're offering you, they need to know how big they need to make the box. Etc. Etc. Now, I will note that uh, in in some of the updates, uh, and they've gone, they took this, they took their prototype to of Evil Dead Two to some cons. They had full box, full full pieces, you know, full mini sculpts. They had all, they had like resin, you know, pre pre sculpts, right? That, that they're approving, and they just again they give us this bullshit excuse of this fucking box. Everyone's like, yeah. Everyone's like, well, it's don't ridiculous. even don't put it in a bag and ship it to me. Like, I yeah. don't give a fuck about. The, give me the game, right? Like, just give me the game. So give the problem, the the fatal problem with Space Code is just lack of communication, and then they flat out lied to their backers. Yeah. So, okay, so this is where me going through some of the comments come. So a lot of a few of the commenters did a lot more digging than than I did, and I got a lot of information from these commenters. Well, okay, one I, I came across. Uh, let's go. Okay, let's just address the mini thing. So the minis, they told us the minis were done in this update, right? Yeah. And uh, in the comments, very very sporadically, a member of Space Ghost would message in the comments, giving entirely contradictory statements to what their updates are saying. It's it's ridiculous. So. Um, in one of their comments, they no production of any sort, they said, uh, would move forward until the paper components are finalized, uh, which includes the box and the box art, which at this point is taking at that point, it was it was up to the nine week, nine week part, like nine weeks that they're saying it's taken this long. Right. <laughs> so they're saying like no production is halted now. At this point, um, people are furious and they're asking for refunds. And basically, Space Goat is when when the odd person actually gets a response, Space Goat is just saying, well, I'm sorry. If you look at our Kickstarter page, we have said once production is underway, we will no longer be issuing refunds. Uh, right after telling us that production has not started, production like that they flat out say in those comments, yeah, the mini, there's no minis, there's no paper components. We're waiting for the box before we do anything. Right. Like they're just completely contradicting they're themselves. Completely it's so ridiculous. And okay, so if you if you look uh, if you try to look up anything in Space Coat, all of their sites are down. 
Oh, really? Their main site's down. Their their Facebook and their Twitters, you can't find them. The only thing they have up is their merch site. So you can buy shit from them. Interesting. And when I was looking up this stuff at the time, I don't know if that's still the case, you could still pre-order these games. No way. This whole time. No You could still way. pre-order these that, games. That should be criminal. Yes. Flat out criminal. That is fucking criminal. They, are, they will still take your money for these games that will not deliver. Ever. Oh, that makes me mad. Okay, you know what? I was... Because I was expecting a lot of what you were saying and the yeah. timeline. I was pretty calm. That makes me mad. That That's outright fraud. And shame on them. Yeah, absolutely. Shame on them. So, back to Sean Burr. The the the, the know, delightful fully Sean. competent Schumberg. So apparently, so the Kickstarter comments were the only thing that I saw, obviously because I don't, I couldn't get to anything else. But and they and like I mentioned, they were relatively civil. Apparently, though, in other platforms like Twitter and Kicks and Facebook, not so civil, <laughs> including Schumberg himself. Oh, who's a, seemingly lashing out at backers, posing questions and criticizing uh, him, and telling that. And Sean just telling these these people just get a life, like just tell them off, right? Um, Sean mentions that their next project will be on Indiegogo because Kickstarter people are bullies. Like he's threatening, like oh, oh I'm not gonna use this platform anymore. Like all this stuff. Wow. Um. <laughs> so so one, it's funny. So like I said, Spacecope not giving back uh, refunds. One backer. Uh, named Hack and Slash, who was one of the people that Sean told to get a life. Uh, he wow. states, quote, I have a life, one that consists of a law enforcement degree and investigating fraud for a living. Oh. Sean's breadcrumbs are all easily uncovered no matter how much he tries to hide them. Stay tuned. Now, very shortly after that, another user, and again, this is on the Kickstarter comments, another user comes comes in and relays a message for us uh, from Hack and Slash. Because Hack and Slash was refunded shortly after making Ooh, that comment. Indeed. Now, when you are refunded on Kickstarter, you no longer have access to the comments. You can't. Uh, you can't actually comment on them. And when you then scroll through past comments, there's a little blurb that says this user has. Um, it do- it doesn't say they got refunded. It says this user has canceled their pledge. Uh, and then you have, you know, you can still see their comments, but it doesn't auto. You just click view. So, as if he's like he's shutting them up. He's like, you yeah, take your money, money. You can't, you can't comment here. He blocks them on Facebook. Blocks them on Twitter. Like it's, it's insane. It's insane. That is insane. <laughs> just burn it to the ground. It's, it's okay. I, I found something. Um, I just wanted to, sure. before you go, uh, this really funny comment from, uh, I think the user's name, his user's name is uh, Will Gibson. Will Gibson stops a fireball. He had this, I don't know, somehow the comments got talking about, like, you know, console, consoling themselves with alcohol. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, okay, this is a quote from him. This is a quote, quote from Will Gibson. He's like, here's a drink for the weekend. The proofed box. Two ounces of any alcohol of at least 90 proof. A dash of bitters, <laughs> muddle, then leave in the dark for two months. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, it's really good. That's so good. I love how they get in this conversation. They're just so depressed at the pathetic state of this game. Honestly, it, they're it, talking it is. drinks. Yeah, it honestly, yes. 
So it's it's very evident that they they ran out of money. They ran out. They of ran money. out of money, so they couldn't. They can't even issue refunds if you had a, le- a legal leg to stand on. There is no money for them to give you back. It's gone. Wow. It's gone. The company is gone. The company's wow. under. And wow. you know, a good fucking riddance. Apparently, good, apparently good riddance. Sean Burry is a piece of work. So I found an article, uh, a former employer uh, of Sean's, or employee of Sean's, sorry, uh, by the name of Amelia Thompson, had, had alleged that uh, Sean, as a employer, was very abusive, uh, hmm. both verbi- verbally and threatening violence, um, had sexist tendencies with the female workers, wow. saying th- saying things to to the effect of, you know, oh... Uh, I'm never hiring another woman again to the point where Amelia had to quit because of the work environment. Wow. And now that's, that's not just from her. That's from even uh, similar comments. Uh, I have quoted in the article uh, from monster elementary, which I think they, they're a publisher for a graphic novel. Okay. And used to use space Goat productions um, as their publisher. Okay. I follow. Right. So their creative team uh, recounts their own experiences with Sean to be, Quote, unkind and rage-fueled, making illogical choices seemingly out of anger and a desire to punish people who didn't agree with him. End well, quote. Sounds like podcasting with you. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. That true. Sean and I are kindred spirits. Exactly. But I would never fuck you on an Evil Dead 2 Kickstarter. No, you would not. Listener. Fuck me on anything else, but not the Evil Dead 2 Kickstarter. Oh, and oh, and so back to the money. Um, the backup claims that Space Goat Productions payments are... Our payments, quote, are not timely, let alone at all. We have not received a full and complete reporting of our account and are still owed money, end quote. Oh, so they didn't even pay manufacturing. The writing is on the fucking wall, man. The writing's on the wall, and... Wow. This is just incredibly Fraud, mismanagement, but I, I use the F word. I use fraud there. I mean... I, I agree with you. I agree with you. So it's very... It's funny with the Terminator Kickstarter, uh... Akin to the box problems with Evil Dead 2, the uh, designer, Taylor Smith, uh, was apparently coming back with updates saying that they had problems with the main board and that was holding up Terminator production. Okay. So, not, neither of these games have delivered. Uh, I believe both of these games, the updates are, are, have stopped. So, the last update for Evil Dead 2, uh, the, the, the last two with the, hey... You have the chance to get some equity. Uh, it failed. Exact same last updates on the Terminator. That's it. And of course, the Howling Kickstarter never got off the ground because, uh, despite Spaceco being incredibly, like, really, really, really needing that money influx, there's no way they could have run a successful campaign with the flamers from both these campaigns. People no. saying, "Don't trust this fucking company. Do not put your faith in this company." Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I mean, as they should. Those flamers are, I should have been one of them. I should have been up there. Yeah, I just, fuck. You know, it's sad. I wonder, and I should have Googled this or something like that. I wonder if Bruce Campbell's made a statement. I think if he knew what we just discussed. I do not believe that he has. Okay. uh, Because a lot of, there are a few comments to that effect too. Like, man, like, who? I don't know how supportive could Bruce Campbell and... You know, and and his people be of this. Like people were, were like, man, I wish Bruce would like come out and say something about this, right? Like, right, right. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And you know what? Yeah, about uh, I think it was late 2017. Like uh, they had apparently a, a bunch of quote staffing changes. Mm. So there it's funny was how that works. there was that whole turnover, and then so it's funny once some of these new people came on board for both projects. Like we started getting updates, like weekly updates, and they, uh, they promised that they would give us you know uh, a weekly newsletter throughout these campaigns, which never happened. They're just like continually promising and not delivering. Just, right. Also known as lying. Yes. So, <laughs> it's right. funny yes, how that works. Absolutely. Right? Fucking um, liars. I mean, I listener, I think, I don't know what takeaway point there is of that. Um, I, I guess what I would say is if you really start to get the heebie-jeebies about a project through the updates um, and you know you still have time to pull the plug and get a refund, I think I would encourage you to look into that, especially when you're talking, you know, 75 bucks plus, like money that that you'll legitimately miss. Um, you know, if I could go back in a time capsule, obviously I, I may have refunded. There were certainly times I was thinking about it. Yeah. And, uh, you well, know, there, I mean, there was one guy in the comments saying like he sunk 500 bucks into this. Wow. And there are, there are were um, at least two, I think maybe three or four backers that backed at the $2,500 level. Wow. Now, they, from what I, from the comments I went through, were nowhere to be seen in the, in the comments. Interesting. So I'm wondering if they got refunds. They got refunded right away. and bought out right away. Right or away. Like that. Yeah. Because uh, man, if I had sunk 2500 bucks into this, oh boy. Oh man, I'd newspapers be and everything. And they would have they would have latched onto that. You know, man spends 2500 on on uh, cardboard Kickstarter. on nothing. He's crazy about cardboard <laughs> in the Gazette on Monday. Um yeah, you know, it's just, it's a very aggravating situation. It sounds like it was a terrible guy running the company. Yeah. Um, I remember the updates were driving me up the wall. Yeah. Um, and so there was a kind of a similar situation. I think it was back in 2013 uh, with a game called The Doom That Came to Atlantic City. And very similar. It was not, you know, I didn't raise 700,000. I didn't raise three quarter of a million fucking dollars or anything. But it was successfully funded over its goal and could not be delivered. And so there, there's actually a precedent set. Uh, there was a court ruling. Oh, man, I looked at the article. I should have I should have had it right up in front of me. But basically to the effect where the designer and runner of the campaign is on the hook for like $150,000 should he ever be able to pay it. Hmm. Now, um, thank, luckily for backers, uh, actually a, a company – to, uh, pick this game up and actually produce it at their own cost so the game actually did get made for those backers oh, wow. in this instance I really doubt that's happening for Evil Dead 2 no I don't think so no no um well that's that's the history on Evil Dead 2 that's the history and Space Coat Productions if you ever see something with Space Coat's name on it do not run fucking buy run, it listener do not buy it no yeah you know what that's almost not fair. If you see anything with Sean Burry's name on it, get the fuck oh, out. Oh, easy. Oh, easy. my God. And I, honestly, there, there was another comment saying, like, um, apparently, like, he had, like, a bunch of different LLCs that he had taken out during that campaign. Like, a bunch just oh, so, like, three or, like literally, like, three or four different, yeah, under very similar names, but, like, like obviously related names. Like, 
Really space weird stuff. Mountain really weird goat. Stuff. Space cow. <laughs> space really, bovine. I don't know, man. Ah, uh, that's so that's bad. unfortunate. It is unfortunate. I'm really pissed. I am too. And you know what? We're pissed in like, you know, after all this shit and the delays, had we just got the game as we kickstarted, even very late, we would have been happy enough. Look, if if I got the game next week, more than two years after the campaign, I would have been happy. I would have been fine. I just want the game. I want the yeah, game. I want the game. Because the there has long been zero hope of getting your, our money back. So I just yeah. want the game. I want yeah. something. And I'll but, never get it. Oh, that's another thing. Sorry. You yeah, go ahead. Me. So uh, like some of the printed material, they actually sent out some um, uh, of the wooden dice only to their U.S. backers, though. Because they were having problem exporting this these wooden dice out of the country. So yeah. there are... There are a few sets of these kicking around the United States because their, you know, local backers received some of the stuff that they actually had. So, like, they're... Like, you, you, you wonder if, like, 30 years down the road, those are going to be worth some money. I mean, they're made out of the cabin. and They're apparently made out of the cabin. Apparently. I don't know how you think that at face value. <laughs> you bring it to, like, some University of Washington or something like that. They test it. Yeah, this is from home hardware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I don't know what the fuck they were doing. Like, there's so many red flags, and, like, I was just blind to them, man. I just, like, sh- I closed my eyes, and I let this campaign kick, uh, cock slap me up and down for over two years. And I, and I feel, I'm pissed off. I feel stupid. I feel duped. Like, you know, it feels like infatuation, like with, with romance. You know, infatuation can blind you of flaws yeah. in that the relationship is going downhill. Yeah, and, totally. And, you know, I think that was happening in this case. Um, I fucking loved you, Sean. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I never fucking loved you. But I love the game. Son I love the bitch. idea of the game. People are using uh, bury as like a negative adjective now. Like if you bury, like, oh, you'd pull the bury. <laughs> don't bury that <laughs> <laughs> what was it that card from um from twilight struggle with like that one russian premier we will bury you <laughs> <laughs> we should put sean's face on that <laughs> card like- just like like i can do it in photoshop we'll digitize oh sean's goodness. face and he'll like ring the fist well, there's I your episode you. art <laughs> <laughs> there we go just use the box at least we got a box <laughs> I'm sure you know. Uh, oh man, the red horror of man, communism man. represents Sean. Well, you know what that that segment was a good segment, and that went on um, for a long time. And I think we we touched on the hybrid segment actually a bit. We ended up doing that with the, uh, yeah, we the controversy. Did. We kind of did. Um, but I mean, we you know we can jump in with a few more points on on. I mean, there's no announcement. It's hybrid segment. Who cares? <laughs> Overcrowded. Overcrowded. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so so what do we do? We like the idea. We both like the idea of crowdfunding, of supporting these smaller projects. Yeah, 100%. But, but what do we do to find them if Kickstarter is burning them? I'll ask you this question. Is there an emerging site that you know of that is good for these small indie projects? Hmm, okay. Um, now, I don't know if you could strictly classify it as small and indie. Okay. But there is a very well-produced YouTube channel called man versus meeple okay uh, i believe they're in their second year now and 
it's a really great channel. Uh, both the hosts uh, seem super cool, and they both love the hobby. But they do do a lot of Kickstarter previews. Interesting. Um, I am assuming that they're paid previews. I don't know if they disclose that or not, um, which may, you know, it may be a factor for some people, right? Some people don't like paid previews, don't think that it should be a thing. Same with paid reviews. Um, that actually would be an interesting topic to get into maybe one episode. Right. Yeah. And, actually, I like that. Uh, so, like, they're, they're really great. Um, the Brawling Brothers podcast, uh, they do some Kickstarter stuff as well. Like, a lot of these podcasts that I already listen to, like, are fans of Kickstarter and use Kickstarter. So, that's where I'm getting a lot of my board game Kickstarter information. But specifically, like, if you... If you thought of like an umbrella, like everything, like cool stuff on Kickstarter, basically, I I don't know. Like, it's just like Kickstarter is like their spotlight bullshit, right? Right. And who knows how the hell that stuff gets in there or how, you know, how it's metered or what the criteria are. And they can't put every cool project that you may want to put your money into on the spotlight, right? Like, no, and, and they better be careful because, you know, Obviously, as someone involved in marketing, if you're that channel and you mess up with something, you support Evil Dead too. You're going to really hurt your brand and your channel. So you, yeah, you have to be careful. That, that's that. yes, you do. You're right. Um, now, so a lot of those, I don't know about Man vs. Meeple specifically, but I think um, a lot of those previews come from relationships with publishers and designers that those podcasts have developed. Right? Okay. Like maybe a, a like a Capstone Games, you've received like maybe possibly review copies from them in the past, and you're a fan of their of their work of their company. Maybe not all of their titles, but you like the people working there, and you know them, and you know you you have this relationship with them, right? So that's what you're, you're putting your faith into. And it's funny that that's that's quite similar with what you actually do with Kickstarter, right? Really, right? Like you know you don't have that chance to develop that relationship. But if you if the publisher is known to you, like Tasty Mitchell Games or Capstone Games, then you have that you 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 do have your own relationship, right? And I think that's one that's definitely a factor that you need to uh, regulate for yourself when you're choosing what to back and from whom you are backing, right? Right, right. Interesting. Well, did you have any tips? Um, things, things that red flags for you. Especially after this Evil Dead 2 thing? Yeah, red flags for me are, you know, where I can't find a lot of um, engagement uh, outside of Kickstarter. So, you know, if they don't have, you know, a Twitter that's being well followed and stuff like that. And, and it doesn't, you know, I need to see that this company and these people are doing stuff and engaging with fans and have done so and have had build up prior to the Kickstarter. Yeah. Um. Now, I mean, would you necessarily would that does that necessarily mean to you previous successfully delivered Kickstarters? That would be very beneficial, right? That yeah. that would be huge because you benefit. can look up a project creator and see all of their okay. past projects on Kickstarter. Well, and I think my comment was more directed if it was a new new developer, right? You're exactly. Yeah, um, they may I want to see something else. 100 competent, but if you can't solely rely on past projects, obviously, right? So everyone's right. got you got to start somewhere. Another thing that would make me very concerned are stretch goals that just don't pass the smell test. Um, because if they seem too big that they can never get delivered on, you have to ask yourself, number one, is this project even going to get made with these stretch goals? Number two, is it going to get made and resemble at all any of my hopes for it? 
with the ambitions right of the time. right what's the, yeah because i mean by the end of evil dead 2 that quote-unquote final pro- product nowhere near what people were originally backing for well exactly and you know i'm looking at you know i'm looking at xenonauts 2 and their like second to last stretch goal was to add a sentry turret unit i mean that's that's nothing though that i mean i mean who cares it's a sentry turret everyone thought it was the coolest thing and wanted to get it right but if you're making a video game you know you can make a sentry turret you know when you've got <laughs> that's right when you've got star citizen promising real life size procedurally generated planets in an ever expanding universe then you're going like okay like i know video games are developing but a real life size procedurally developed planet <laughs> and lots of these right you know it it's it's concerning and even at the time star citizen was doing that i think if you see i think if you see that uh very expensive um I mean, every a lot of Kickstarters will have very expensive tiers, but if they're adding extra tiers, if they add like a gold, they're like, we're going to add a di- diamond and a triple diamond. Hmm. You kind of got to take a pause right, there. Right, because they're just trying to pilfer extra funds out of you. to One, either to hit their goal as quickly as possible or to pad or any losses exactly. that they may take from lack of knowledge. You know, uh, I remember when Kickstarter was very new, a lot like, numerous projects were sunk and ended up making running into the red just because they weren't charging enough for shipping. Interesting. So, you know, and, and now though, like you'll pay like 40 bucks for shipping because shipping right. is damn expensive. It is, it is. Yeah. Yeah. For, for these kind of things that were, you know, buying on Kickstarter, yeah. for sure it is. You know, then there's some obvious ones. If they start you know, if you get a few updates and, you know, things are getting delayed and the same developer suddenly has a new Kickstarter, that's always a red flag. <laughs> yeah, well, and I know totally, in this case, totally. you know, every developer, like the, the guy, Augustine, for, I forget his company's name, but for Asylum, when he started to do his other game, he's like, oh, well, it's the bet, you know, at first he was saying, you know, it's not going to delay Asylum. And then he said, oh, well, it's going to delay Asylum, but this is awesome. This is an even better game. And it's like, you're full oh of shit, man. Oh, my goodness. Wow. You're, so you're shitting, you're stepping on the throat of your first campaign to try to prop to try up to your prop second, up second one. I mean, that's to a red therefore flag. prop up your first one. It's a red flag on Whoa. every level. It's a red flag that's on so every level. That's because so Because your base, your, your Kickstarter people... Like, they're not going to be happy about that. And I don't think, I think that's going to basically be self-policed. Within a few years, I think Kickstarter backers are going to be savvy enough to go, no, no. You know what? You give me my product first. This is what you did first. Yeah. Um, And then, I mean, at the extreme end, you get what Sean did where, you know, buy equity in the company. I mean, that's insane. That's always a warning sign. Like, I don't know if they've done it. I haven't heard that they've done it. But if Cloud Imperium Games, who is made by Chris Roberts and does Star Citizen, if they ever actually start offering shares formally, <laughs> then I'm getting scared. <laughs> then I'm getting scared. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, those are yeah, those are super good tips. You know, be careful, listener. Use the smell test. And if in doubt, don't. Because if it's a good project... 
I mean, unless it's a Kickstarter exclusive. Yeah, yeah. Um, if it's a good project, right, it, it's going it, to get out there eventually. Yeah, and you know what? It'll hit retail. It, you may pay 20 bucks more, 30 bucks more retail. I don't know. Something like that, depending for the board game. But to not have to have the risk yeah. of losing your and You know what? That's, as far as board games go, I don't find that I'm paying more retail. There you go. And Kickstarters. Just basically, again, you're you're missing out on some of the extra stuff you're getting that they wrap up into that price. But generally, that Kickstarter price is going to be an MSRP. Right. Um, you know, actually, oftentimes, I'm not sure people still do this a lot. But again, back when I first started Kickstarting, like three or four years ago, a lot of people did like early bird specials, right? You get like 10 bucks off if you were one of the first hundred and something backers or whatever. Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, uh, another thing is, too, from the video game end is they end up they they end up in many cases, and this pisses off the backers, but they say that there's all these exclusives for joining the Kickstarter, and then they eventually give in and, and offer them to new people, too. And so right. I'm basically sure. saying, like, okay, you know, unless one of those things, those early bird perks really appeals to you then maybe hold off because there's a good chance you can get it, you know, down the road. Yeah, totally. Um, well, I mean, that, like, like add-ons, right? That's how even after, after the campaign's finished, there's the campaigns are still generating additional funds because of these add-ons, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, Simon does that a lot. Uh, like, I think at Rising Sun specifically, you could have bought, um, like, a neoprene, extra large mat rollout mat that would serve as the game board instead of the actual game board you know because that game has large minis once it can get populated etc etc so this neoprene mat is like this huge giant version of it right and so you it was just an add-on you could hey if you want to throw this in extra 30 40 bucks whatever it was right and so they're like even after the campaign they're generating funds um now a lot of campaigns don't charge you shipping until after they fund it and they have a final mm. and so they have a better you know, until your survey comes around, then they figure out once they have they finally have all their numbers and can properly project the amount of shipping costs that they're going to be incurring, then they'll go ahead and charge you shipping. Right. Which, uh, you know, again, is risky, but you just kind of got to be like, well, shipping is expensive and I'm going to be paying an arm and leg for it anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's a good point there, Leland, for listener. Um, listener, if you do get anything physical from, you know, Kickstarter – you got to expect high shipping costs. Like, yeah. like factor that in. It's not going to be five or ten bucks. Um, you know, it's not Amazon Prime to get your, <laughs> your stuff here, listener. Yeah. You're, you're going to pay because these companies have to cover themselves. They yeah, they do. They do. Uh, they... So. Okay. Um, yeah, awesome. I think I'm good. Yeah, I mean, I like we want to trim the fat of our episode, so I don't want to beat a dead horse. No, we're getting pretty close. We're like just over our hour and a half mark that we kind of we're shooting for so but you know that was fun i really enjoyed doing that, that. i think that, that worked out well yeah. so. i mean i had like six pages of notes listener that i did not bore you with but i, I put a lot of time into researching all that evil dead 2 bullshit and i don't even know if i did just you know justice if i even properly you know put across how fucking terribly run this campaign was and how pissed off i am about it you know, it's, it's really funny. Like, I go back to my relationship analogy. Like, I feel like you just got out of a bad relationship and you realized how much you were duped yeah. while you were in it. And you're like, she was a bitch. She, that Sean, she ruined me. Sean, Sean ruined Sean me. Sean broke my heart. Yeah. 
I thought he was such a good man. <laughs> so it's funny. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, end of the show stuff. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, we're we're everywhere. We're on social media. We're on Instagram. Uh, search TT Popcast Facebook page. The T Hut Popcast Facebook page. Uh, I'm on Twitter. We got our, our website with all our show notes and uh, some written content is ttpopcast.com. Ooh, I don't know. I've been Leland Steele. And I'm Moby. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.